Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today our study is going to be in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to see the call of God that came on the life of Moses. When we pick up in Moses' life with chapter 3, we see that Moses is a broken man. We see him on the backside of the desert, tending to his father-in-law's flocks. He was obscured. He was unimportant. He was very broken. But the point of today's message is that sometimes God positions us on the backside of the desert so that he can reveal himself, so that he might reveal his glory to us, his presence to us, his call on our lives. So today, if you're in a difficult place in life, if you're in a place where you feel broken, where you feel unused by God, perhaps you feel that God will never be able to use your life again. Well, take courage, my friend, take heart, because today we're going to see out of the Word of God how the great calling of God, the fire of God, came to the life of Moses. I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awaken to Grace. Today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, and I want to entitle today, Standing on Holy Ground. We're going to look at the call of Moses. We're going to see how Moses was a broken man when God revealed himself. Moses was a man filled with mistakes and missteps. Moses lived his life in obscurity. Moses lived his life with regret. And we're going to see how God came to Moses In the burning, fiery flame of a bush. And I can't wait to share today with you. If you look at verse number one, there are going to be several things I'm going to have you write down if you're taking notes. Number one, I want you to look at Exodus chapter three, verse one. And I want us to notice the solitude that Moses found himself in. It says, now Moses was keeping his father-in-law's flocks. Jethro, his father-in-law, now this isn't Jethro with the Beverly Hillbillies, with a rope belt. This is the Jethro of the Bible, okay? This is the father-in-law of Moses. And Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, who was a priest in Midian. And notice what it says, and Moses led his flock to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, there's a little bit to unfold right here, and let's unpack a couple of things. You have to understand a little bit about Moses' background, and let me just give uh, uh, just a a moment or two, just a crash course on the life of Moses. Many of you will recall when Moses was born, baby boys were being killed, and do you remember what his mother did by faith? She took her son, put him in a woven basket, and set him in the Nile River and released him into the providence of God. What faith that took. On my many trips to Cairo, Egypt, I've spent a great deal of time on the Nile River. And I love the Nile River. 
One of my favorite things to do on the Nile is they have these certain boats that have these booths in them. And they will fish off of these large boats and catch these fish. And they have these little charcoal grills at your booth. And they'll bring this whole fish and they'll grill it right there in front of you on that charcoal grill. And it's as tasty as it can possibly be. And they have taken me to the place where tradition says that Moses' mother released him into the Nile. And let me tell you, when you see it for yourself, what faith it took. My friends, the Nile River is not the Holston River. The faith it took. And as you know the story, Pharaoh's daughter finds him. Adopts him. He becomes the adopted grandson of the mighty Pharaoh of Egypt. And for the first 40 years of his life, he grows up among the palaces of Egypt. He grows up around the throne of Pharaoh. He grows up in the lap of luxury. But according to the book of Hebrews, there came a point that Moses knew his history, he knew his family background, and he watched his people, the Hebrew people, he watched them being slaves. He watched the taskmasters, and righteous anger came into the soul of Moses. And one day, the Bible says, rather than choosing the pleasures of Egypt, he chose to suffer with God's people. And one day, While a Hebrew was being beaten by a taskmaster, Moses attacks the Egyptian and kills him. And then Moses flees for his life. And this is where you and I pick up. He spent 40 years in the house of Pharaoh. And now at 40 years old, Moses finds himself a murderer. And can never go back to Egypt again. And never go back to the house of Pharaoh again. No doubt there were people looking for Moses. You don't think Moses, you don't think he was a popular figure? No doubt people were looking for him. The Egyptians were looking for him. And now when you and I pick up, he is now at this point in chapter 3 verse 1, he's approximately 80 years old. He spent 40 years in the the house of Pharaoh. Now he has spent 40 years in obscurity. 40 years running for his life. 40 years looking over his shoulder. 40 years trying to get away. And what the Bible tells us, it's actually quite fascinating in verse 1. That Pharaoh goes not just into the desert, but the the ESV says that he went to the west side of the desert. The actual old King James says it was the backside of the desert. Now, all of us have had desert-like experiences, right? Perhaps today, you feel as though you're in a desert. You feel like you're completely and utterly alone today. Maybe you feel like God is a thousand miles away. Perhaps you pray and nothing happens. You trust God and nothing changes. You read the Bible and nothing, every, just everything stays the same. And it just feels as though God is working around everyone and everything and through everyone and through everything. But when it comes to you... Nothing happens. Let me tell you, Christian, every one of us go through desert experiences. Every one of us walk through seasons of loneliness. Every one of us goes through dry seasons. Every one of us goes through times that test our faith. 
But let me show you what's different about Moses today. It's one thing to be in the desert. It's a whole other thing to be on the backside of a desert. Anyone ever been on the backside of the desert? Here's what I want you to note. If you're going to take notes, note this. God often does his greatest work through times of solitude. God often does his greatest work in times of solitude. And here's what I want to show you out of verse 1. I was sitting there, actually this morning at 6 a.m., I was sitting in my recliner just picturing Moses, picturing him taking those flocks, those, I don't know, maybe it was 50 sheep, and maybe it was 100, I don't know. But I picture Moses, and, and, and notice what Scripture says. It's very telling. It says, as, and, and Moses led his flock to the backside of the desert. And I begin to think about what days must have been like for Moses. Here he is, 80 years old. He's an absolute failure in life. He's broken, obscured, working for his father-in-law, trying to keep a low profile. Doesn't want anybody to find him. Doesn't want anyone to know who he is or what he's been in life. He's went from the lap of luxury to now the lowliest position in all of the Middle East. And that's a shepherd. He's went from the pinnacle down to the lowest. And what was it like on a daily journey through these 40 years that now Moses is 80 years old and he's been hiding for 40 years and now just the mundane of life. And what is he doing? He's leading his sheep. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me this morning about 6 a.m. And God began to show me just as Moses, God was allowing him to do the mundane, the routine. All he was doing was leading the flock. But little did Moses know that God was raising him up. Little did Moses know that God was positioning him in the backside of the desert. That now Moses would lead a small flock, but later Moses is going to lead over one million of God's people out of Egypt into the promised land. And could it be with your life? Could it be in your circumstance right now? That Satan may be telling you you're all alone. Satan may be telling you you're isolated. Satan may be telling you that your life is nothing but mundane. Your life is nothing but routine. You have nothing to offer. You're broken. You're useless. But could it be that God is positioning you? Could it be that God's had you on the backside of this desert for such a time as this? That God's going to reveal his call on your life. God's going to bring fresh fire into your soul. God's going to reveal to you himself in such a way that your life will never be the same. No, my friend, let me tell you, God's in the mundane. God is in the routine. God is in what you're going through right now. Don't let Satan tell you that you're alone. Don't let him tell you that you're isolated. Don't let him tell you that God's abandoned you. It's okay to be alone sometimes, you know that? It's not the worst thing. As a matter of fact, it's times that God will use you. As you know, I'm walking through this blindness. This Sunday, this Sunday is two years since I drove a car. I drove my car to church on this Sunday two years ago. And never drove again. Again, I'm willing if anyone will let me drive it. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. 
If you have the faith, I've, I've got the faith, we'll do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, sometimes, I'll tell you, it's the craziest thing. You, you know, they say that when you lose one sense, all of your other senses heighten. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, friends, it's true. You know, I can hear. It's scary how I can hear. I can hear everything and anything. It's amazing. Uh, last night, Sadie and I went to La Coretta, and I ordered one of those fajitas. Have you ever had one of those? Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And I ordered one of those fajitas. You know, they sizzle. Before Sadie could hear it, smell it, or see it, I could hear it sizzling. I said, food's here. <laughs> minute later, here it comes. <laughs> well, I can hear like no one's business. And you know, there's some days, there's sometimes I'll be sitting in a room full of people and I can hear everything. I can hear three conversations happening all around me. And I'll hear multiple people talking. And I'll hear conversations, but I'll feel like I'm the only one in the room. It'll feel completely alone. But let me tell you what I'm learning. There's a difference between loneliness and being alone. God works in solitude. Do not despise the times of solitude in your life. You know, it's interesting in Psalms 46.10. The Bible says, this is very interesting. It says, be still and know that I am God. When are the times that you know? I'm not talking about an intellectual, oh yes, I know God's everywhere. Oh yes, I know God's everywhere. No, I'm talking in your soul. You know that the help of God is in your life. When are those times? Not in the rat race of life. Not in the busyness. God doesn't say, in all the busyness, know that I'm God. He doesn't say that, does he? In all the responsibilities, know that I'm God. No. What's he say? Be still and know that I'm God. And could it be, my friend, that if you find yourself today on the backside of a desert, could it be that the true work that God is trying to do is to still your soul, to quiet your life, quiet your heart, to quiet your mind? Could it be that God is wanting to do a great work in you, but the work is through solitude? You read Mark chapter 1. Do you know what Jesus does? Read it. Mark chapter 1. Jesus steals away into solitude. Why does he do that? Because those are the times that God works the greatest in our life. So here Moses is. He's approximately 80 years old. He's been a failure in life. He grew up in the palace of Pharaoh and he had all the advantage that anybody could ever want. And now, instead of being successful, now, instead of being ahead in life, now, instead of being somebody important or even responsible, no, he's a murderer. And he's living on the backside of a desert, hiding from everyone and everything. Oh, but how many of you know, God has a way of finding us, even when we hide. <laughs> Amen? 
Perhaps you're listening today, you're watching online, or you're here in the building, and you've been hiding from God for a long time. Friends, God knows exactly where you are. And I want you to look, verse number two. This is so wonderful. Verse number two. And the angel of the Lord appeared as a flame in the fire in the bush. Isn't that fantastic? Friends, the fire of God always represents the presence of God. I want you to note, if you'll note this, Moses was able to recognize the presence of God in his life. Now, how did Moses recognize it? Well, notice what happens next. Verse number 3, Moses sees it and gives his attention to it. Now, could you imagine seeing a bush caught on fire, but yet it didn't consume. I remember some time ago I was reading an article by some uh, crazy person. He was, he was an atheist and trying to explain the Bible away. Let me tell you, it takes more faith and it takes more energy to try to explain the Bible away than to just accept it by faith. And this joker was trying to say that that bush was on a natural gas line and the, and, and the natural gas exploded. and caught. What an idiot. And so here Moses sees this incredible sight, this flaming fire, but yet the bush is not consumed. And what Moses does is he turns and he gives his attention to it. Let me tell you something, my friends. When the presence of God becomes important to you, when the presence of God becomes real to you, do you know what happens? You go from the mundane of life. You go from the routine of life, from the backside of the desert of life to an intensity with God. God gets your attention. God has your attention like never before. And let me tell you what we need, what we need, what we need in this hour of our country now. We need a church that is aflame. It is a church ablaze that will get the attention of a lost and a dying world. It's not our music. It's not our outreaches. It's not our programs. It's fire. Amen? And that's what God desires to do among his people. It's what God wants to do personally in your life, in your heart, in your family. It's a church of flame that God uses. And so here Moses recognizes the presence of God. And what does he do? He gives his full attention to it. My friend, does God have your full attention today? Or are you distracted with all of these other things? Are you distracted with what, what there is to do in life? And yet, here God is just on the back burner. Here God is compartmentalized in this little box called Sunday. Or is the presence of God so real in your life that it's as fire in your soul? As I've said throughout this entire series, fire is not an emotion. It is not sensationalism. No Fire, fire is an experience with God that burns out sin. Fire is an experience with God that brings an intensity, a reality of His presence into your life and into your family and into your home and into your walk with the Lord. 
That's what fire does for us. And Moses, just as the fire drew Moses, fire draws people. Fire draws people. Amen? I remember some years, boy, this was a few years ago when I was seeking the Lord. I was asking the Lord fervently, praying fervently, seeking God. Lord, set me on fire. Bring fire to my soul. Put fire in my tongue. God, when I preach, let it be scorching with fire, God. And I was seeking God. I didn't say anything about it to the pulpit. Nobody knew this. I was just seeking God for weeks and weeks and weeks. I would just seek God. Every time uh, as the music was playing, before I'd preach, I'd be saying, God, put fire in my tongue, God. Put fire in me, Lord. Give me your fire. And one day, how many of you know God uses crazy people? Sometimes you got to be a little crazy for God to use you sometimes. And one day, uh, I'll never forget it. This was about three or maybe four years ago. We were doing a special event here. It was Saturday morning, and there were lots of guests here, people I'd never met. And some people were up here leading worship. We had been up here at the front praying, and, and I was standing right over here between the chairs and the platform. And this woman I'd never seen before, she walks up to me in this prayer time. She walks up to me and she goes, and sniffs me. I thought, what in the world? Sniffs me. Who does that? God's got some crazy people. (laughs) But you know what she said to me? I didn't know her. I'd never met her. She said, you smell like fire. And turns around and walks away. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking how stunned I was after I got over my shock. Of somebody, you know, made me want to sniff myself. <laughs> oh, what deodorant am I using? Holy Spirit. <laughs> it wasn't Old Spice, I tell you that. But, but after being shocked, it was, listen, what a sweet confirmation from the Lord. Listen, are you able to recognize God's presence in your life? Let me tell you how you recognize it. You give your full attention to it. It becomes what you seek after. It begins, it becomes what you long for. But see, many of us can't do it because we're in the rat race of life. If we would be still, Psalm 46.10, if we would calm ourselves, quiet our lives, and seek the Lord, friends, we would find a fire in our soul that God ignites that nothing will ever quench. Are you too busy? Probably. It's it's solitude that God often does His greatest work. So here Moses is. He's a broken man. Here Moses is. He's quite a failure in life. And here he is obscured and doesn't want to be around anybody. And notice what God does. Verse 4. Notice what He says. Moses. Moses. 
what that must have been like to be a man on the backside of the desert thinking that you're away from everybody and you're tucked away and no one can find you and all of a sudden this bush calls out your name twice. (laughs) Friends, there's some of you that God's calling. There's some of you that God has a work for you to do. And you say, Chad, I'm employed here at so-and-so. Or you say, Chad, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Or you say, Chad, I'm disabled. Or you say, Chad, I'm in my retirement years. Listen, you you say, Chad, I'm a college student or I'm a high school student. Let me tell you, I don't care what stage of life you're in. I don't care what circumstances you are in as far as your life right now. I'm telling you, on the authority of God's Word, there's a work for you to do. There's a calling of God upon each of your lives. There are giftings inside of you. We're already starting to think about Christmas. How many of you have already bought your first Christmas gift? You know what's going to be interesting? No matter what Christmas looks like at your house. At the end of December 25th, I bet there's no gifts left unwrapped, is there? But yet, you look around today at all of the people in here today. How many giftings of the Holy Spirit are left unwrapped within us? Gifting after gifting after gifting. And here they sit, dormant, completely unwrapped. Friends, do you, know what the, do you know what the presence of God will do in your life? It will reveal the call of God upon your life. My chief primary responsibility as a pastor is not to preach outlined sermons to you. My chief role is not to counsel. My chief role is not to set the direction and vision for this church. My chief role is not to navigate us financially. My chief role is not to do all of these. All of those things include my role, but they're not my chief role. They're not my primary responsibility. Do you know what my primary responsibility is? Is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's my job. That's my real job. That's my real role. And you say, Chad, well, I don't know if that applies to me. If you're born again, that means you're sanctified. That means you're set apart for God. That means you are a saint. And if you are a saint, then there is a work of a ministry that you as a saint ought to fulfill. But you say, Chad, how do I find it? Give your full attention to the presence of God. Give your full attention. And notice the Bible says, And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned to see the burning bush. Oh, would to God that the Lord would see many of you today turn and give your full attention. That's what God wants. That's what he desires. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is. Set your minds, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. The great evangelist D.L. Moody of the 1800s, he would so often say, 
Christians are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Today, it's reversed in our day. Today, we would say many Christians are so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. No, set our minds on things above. In other words, give your attention to the things of God. And if you would refocus your life, and if you would place God in the very center of your life, I'm not talking about compartmentalizing Him to 90 minutes on Sunday. I'm talking setting Him in the very center of your life where everything revolves around the presence of God. Everything revolves around the call of God on your life. You know what you'll find? You'll find that there are giftings inside you. There are callings inside you. There are things inside you that you never dreamed that God would be able to use you in. You see, some, listen, far too many of us we're hanging out on the backside of the desert. Satan tells us things like we're a failure. He tells us things like we are useless. He tells us things like we've blown our chance. We've missed our opportunity. He'll tell us things like we've disappointed God too much. Let me tell you, he's a liar. And God desires today to reveal himself to you in new ways and fresh ways. The question is not, will God work in your life? That's not the question. The question is, will you pay attention? That's the question. And Moses gave his full attention to the presence of God. Now, note the progression. God did his great work in in the solitude of Moses' situation. God reveals his presence to Moses. And then God reveals his calling upon Moses. And now, watch what he does. He reveals his holiness. Now, <clears throat> as I said, I want to make this so clear. The fire of God is not emotionalism. Are there emotions to it? Sure, we're emotional people. God himself has emotions. Do you realize that? I had, a, I had, a, uh, I had a, a, an older pastor tell me one time that God had divorced himself from emotions. I don't know what Bible he read. But told me God had divorced himself from it. That don't even make sense. No. Are there emotions to it? Yes. But it's not emotionalism. It's not sensationalism. Let me tell you, this is what I want to link right here, and this is what I want you to note. The ground on which Moses stood, was it in itself holy? No. What made that ground at Mount Horeb, what made it holy? The presence of God. Are you and I, by default, are we holy? No. I mean, do you live with yourself? You're not, are you? This clay is not by default, by nature. It is not holy, right? But see, God makes a command. God says something extraordinary in 1 Peter. God says, be ye holy as I am holy 
What makes a child of God? What makes a born again believer holy? When the presence of God takes up residence. Amen? Link this. The fire of God brought holiness. And the point of God's fire in your life is not so you can feel emotions. The point of God's burning, cleansing, flame is to burn out sin in your life. And to make you holy before the Lord. That's the purpose of it. Why can God say, be holy as I am holy? See, before you and I are born again, the Bible teaches that we were children of disobedience. Children with the nature of wrath. Children after our father, the devil. You and I were lost without any hope in this world. Lost without God, according to the book of Ephesians. You and I were without hope. But what happened when you and I became born again? This is exactly what Paul meant when he said, you become a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, everything becomes new. Isn't that quite remarkable? What's that new creation? Friends, it means that your nature is reborn. It means that you now have the nature of God. If you, listen, I've got four children. I've got a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, two daughters, and I got two boys, three-year-old and two-year-old. Lord help us. John Mark will be two next week. We are never bored, ever. But you would not have to hang out with my kids very long to realize they are just like me, especially Piper. Good Lord. Lord help us all. And listen, you know this. Are we not just like our parents? The good, the bad, and the ugly? Are we not? Why? Why are my children just like me? Why are your children just like you? Because they're born of us. They have our nature. They have our temperament. They have our personality. They have our tendencies. Do they not? Why? Because they're born of us. And if we are truly born of God, then we are to take on God's nature, which is holiness. What will bring greater degrees of holiness to your life? Greater degrees of fire. So here Moses is. It's out of the solitude of his life that God revealed his presence. It's out of the recognizing, the attention of God's presence that God revealed His calling. And it's out of revealing that calling that Moses progressed to God's holiness. Friends, you and I can walk through the same progression. But see, here's here's the problem. We try to worship God. We try to come to church on Sundays. We try to, you know, whatever worship looks like for us. We try to give God our affection. But listen, you can't fully give God your affections until you fully give God your attention. And that's what the biggest takeaway I want you to see today. Are you giving God 
your full attention? Or are you quite distracted? Is God compartmentalized? Is God in this little box that your whole week revolves around you? No, friend. Our whole week should revolve around God. Take you out of it and put God in place of you and give him your full attention. Let's bow our heads today. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know what God is saying to you. I don't know how distracted you are. I don't know how many of you are facing a season of being alone. I don't know. But God knows exactly where you are. Just like God was able to call out Moses' name in a place of solitude, God knows exactly where you are. And God desires to work today in your life, today. What's God saying to you? Do other things have your attention? Do other people have your attention? does God have it? Perhaps today you're in a place of isolation. You're in a place of obscurity. Perhaps today you're on the backside of a desert. Could it be that that's where you're going to meet God face to face? Could it be that God is positioning you for something great? Perhaps you're in the mundane of life stuck just stuck in the mundane friends God's in the mundane God's preparing you could it be that there's a call of God on you that's lying dormant right now it's dormant are there giftings inside you that God wants you to unwrap that God wants you to engage? Could it be that there's sin in your life that the fire of God will cleanse? Are there addictions in your life that you can't break out of your own strength? But friends, the fire of God will break it. I don't know who you are or what you're facing, but I do know this. God desires to do a new work in you. God desires to call you out. Out of your routine. Out of your obscurity. Out of your failure. Out of your sin. Out of your regrets. Out of your mistakes. Out of your past. God wants to call you out of all of that. For those of you that will desire holiness, God will put a call on you. For those of you that you desire to know the call of God, God will reveal himself to you. And for those of you that desire the presence of God, get alone. Get in a place of isolation, of solitude. Turn things off. Turn your internet off. Turn your phone off. Put the tablet away. Shut the TV down. Get away from the noise. Get away from the distractions. 
get away from it and get alone with God. And I'm telling you, if you'll, if you will hide yourself away and your only visitor is the Holy Spirit, He'll reveal Himself to you. He will. Some of you, God's given you times of solitude. Are you taking advantage of it? Some of you, perhaps your situation's changed. You, you live by yourself now. Are you investing that time with the Lord? Some of you are empty nesters. Your kids are out of the house and you don't know what you're going to do. Some of you are in retirement and now you're, you're kind of wondering, you're asking yourself, what do I do with my time? Invested in the kingdom of God. Give yourselves to the work of the ministry. Some of you work jobs where you have long commutes. Some of you spend a portion of your day in your car. Give that time to God. Give that time to the Holy Spirit. I know this. God desires a new and a fresh work in you. The question is, will God have your attention? <laughs> will God have your attention? Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for all of your people that are here. I thank you for everyone watching or listening online. I thank you, God, for the way you're working in this hour. Right now, God, I thank you for how you're working in our day. Help your people. help us so God we just yield afresh to you we surrender anew to you we offer our hearts we offer our lives we offer our wills and our emotions we offer our plans and our ambitions. And God, we lay them on your altar. And we sacrifice them to you. We become the living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is our true spiritual worship. Only you can make us holy, God. So let your fire come. Let the burning, cleansing flame of the Holy Spirit burn out sin. Burn out bad attitudes. Burn out pride. Burn out selfishness. Hallelujah. Give us holy moments with you, Lord. Holy moments in our living rooms. Holy moments in our vehicles. Holy moments with our children, God. Holy. 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 Let your fire come. Let your fire increase glory of God Almighty in Jesus name